Hey everybody, Rick here, Rick Radio. Um, well, I have an incredible guest today. I have uh, Mr. James Gearing, who's a firefighter paramedic um, in Florida. Uh, James has a podcast, uh, incredible podcast called Behind the Shield, and he also has an incredible uh, Facebook page called The Dark Side Project. Hello, James. How are you, sir? I'm good, Rick. How you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks so much for taking the time to do this. I know these can be a pain, but you having one yourself understand uh, it's necessary to keep this ball rolling. Um, Absolutely. So, James, um, you know, I kind of came across you, you know, I found your Dark Side Project uh, Facebook page almost about a year ago. And it was, you know, I found it at a time where I had just gotten or, you know, it's probably six months um, after starting my treatment for PTSD. And, you know, it's, you know, it was just nice for me to see that there were other firefighters, paramedics, that I wasn't alone. I mean, for me, for a long time, the, one of the biggest reasons why I was afraid to ask for help is because I really thought I was the only firefighter dealing with this stuff so i mean i remember when i found your page i was like oh my god like i was telling all my family members man i found you got to see what this guy's doing like it's incredible and there were so many incredible stories of firefighters you know sharing their stories on your facebook page which was huge for me it was huge for me to see i'm not alone in this and it's just you're doing great work and um, I wish you all the luck with that, but, um, we're going to get into it, but let's just start from the top here. Why don't you, if you want to just kind of tell us about like your childhood and where you grew up and all uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Well, firstly, thank you for, uh, you know, for your kind words. I mean, we'll get into it, but yeah, the, both, both these projects that I've got going, um, were for that. I was, I was seeing that there were issues in the fire service that, some people were talking about, but definitely uh, there was there was space for more people to kind of shake the tree a little bit. But um, so I grew up in England. I was very fortunate. Uh, I've had you know some some people on the show whose childhoods have been you know just jaw dropping, um, in you know, in a bad way. But uh, I was blessed. I grew right. up on a farm. My dad was a horse uh, and horse and small animal veterinarian. Um, and so yeah. I spent my whole my whole life you know taking care of animals and. Um, you know, working the farm, mucking out stables. So mentally, there was a lot of gratitude. You know, I mean, I, I truly appreciated the the childhood I had, and then physically, I was definitely taught what hard work was. Because you know, I was up at five in the morning to take care of the animals before I even went to elementary school. So, um, so yeah, it was uh, it was very uh, old school childhood, but it was it was incredible. Um, Right, and then, but uh, an interesting thing, and I've mentioned this on a couple of interviews I've done before, but it's it's kind of the the reason why I wasn't a fireman when I was young is when I was uh, like high school age or middle school age, they told me I was colorblind, and I could never oh. be a pilot, I could never be a firefighter, I could never be any of the cool jobs. Um, so yeah, that really threw me into a bit of a, a tailspin because I I really wanted to be either a doctor or a firefighter, which you know as, as I'm sure now you can tell was uh, happy ever after. But um, right. So I went for a long, long time just just fumbling through life um, with no direction whatsoever. Um, and uh, it wasn't until 
I, I traveled. I actually ended up being a stuntman for a while. So I was out in Japan and uh, met an American girl. And we got married, and I was literally about to move back, well, move to the States. And I had this epiphany, like, wait a second, this this can't be right. I'm looking at, you know, the, the colors in life. I can see colors. There's no way that I'm, you know, colorblind. So right. I challenged the, the physical. And long story short, I wasn't just the same as, as vision. You're not, like, blind as a bat or 2020 is that whole spectrum in between. Well, I was off a little right. bit, but not anywhere near where it could stop me doing my job. So um, the I asked them, hey, have you got anything else apart from that that book with the numbers in, and they said, "Well, just right. name these these things in the office and tell me what color they are." I nailed them all, and, and that was it. So after, <laughs> you know, wow, probably twenty, what 20 a relief! I bet that so, was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So and that and that yeah. took me to America, uh, and then right down the street in Orlando, where I first moved to, was the fire academy, and uh, you know that was it. Started the fire service and went from a straight C D student to a straight A student when I found that, you know, that spark that I'd always loved. For uh for uh you're talking about you found your 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 love for the fire service? Is that what you're yeah. 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 So that so after screw you know, like being directionless for years, it was the very thing that I knew I wanted to do when I was a kid that I finally got to to, right. to revisit. Yeah, I mean for me, you know, I'd always wanted to be a firefighter. I mean, as long as I can remember, it's all I wanted to ever do is be a firefighter. But for me, like, you know, I get out of high school after being a fire explorer and doing those things. And I come to realize that, look, you're, you're not the student you think you are. And I had, you know, I mean, really right out of high school, I could not even, I couldn't even pass the, the firefighter's entrance exam and had zero direction. And for me, the, the the you know I ended up joining the United States Coast Guard, and that ended up giving me all the direction I needed, you know, to to find the path that to find that you know that path into the fire service, you know. And but like you, it's just a passion that I I didn't I never realized could be as strong as it was, you know. Is I just wanted to help people like you, you know, and what an amazing life though, to grow up on a farm with a father who's taking care of animals. I mean, that's like my, my daughter has been talking about being a veterinarian her whole life. Like that's like, what a great, great place to be for you to grow up. And so it sounds so awesome on a farm yeah, in uh, England. That's really yeah, cool. And that's the thing. And I appreciate it, you know, and, and I look back and, you know, my brothers and sisters are the same. We like, we, we wouldn't have chosen it for the world. I mean, it was, you know, we weren't affluent, despite my dad being a you know doctor of veterinary medicine. We uh, we lived right. a very basic life in some respects, but I mean, we had everything we wanted. We had you know we had this this farm to play on, and you know food on the table every day, and got to to learn how to be compassionate towards other creatures. So it was it was right. brilliant. Now, did, now, um, growing up in England, did they have like a fire explorer program or a fire cadet program that you were able to do? While you're growing up, or no, not that I remember. As far as I remember, yeah. and it's funny. I'm actually going to have a guest soon who's from the British Fire Service. He's actually a recruiter, um, so I, I'm going to learn a lot of stuff too because I never got to to be in the fire service when I was at home. But it's um, it's kind of like New York system in which you you know it's this kind of civil service entrance. So it's, there's no fire school to go to to get a leg up. There's no medical school or anything. You you you're a fireman and you get hired as you know, just a regular civilian, and then they put you through the whole thing. So I don't right. think there were any 
real ways. I'm sure if you're a veteran, you probably got you know uh, veterans preference. But outside of that, I don't think there were any real leg ups other than just being you know qualified and right place at the right time. Right. All right. Well, that's cool. Um. So on my podcast, you know, I I you know I'm like I'm a 15 year or 14 year veteran of, of fire service. Also, and so if we can just talk back to kind of like maybe, did you have, you know, I know that you have a passion too for PTSD or PTS, and you've also mentioned to me that you've dealt with depression and those aspects of it. And I know you had mentioned to me that you didn't, fortunately, you didn't have to deal with the addiction side of any of this, but did you have any mental health issues growing up that, or was this something that really hit you hard once you were in the fire service? Yeah, I I didn't. I mean, I was de- definitely not happy when my what I thought was my dream career was taken away and I was fumbling through life. But um, and even then, you know, when I realized that it was depression and, and PTS, obviously, you know, the the things that we see and 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 the the effects, especially that the sleep deprivation has on us, and, is, and you know, I'm hugely aware of that. Um, but they were all for a re- I always identified why. So when you identify why, um, it you know it it then lays out in front of you. Well, how do I fix that? Now, what's the solution to you know you not being able to find the right job or or obviously where we are now with the PTS stuff. Someone's the solution is to you know to move to days for a while or you know or uh, the counselling or whatever whatever route that you choose. But what was interesting and we were talking before we started recording was. Even though uh, my worst year really was, um, I was going through a divorce. I was working one of extremely busy rescue and a very busy ha- firehouse in uh, Orange County near Orlando, um, and I was going through medic school. So I was doing school and then I was doing ride-alongs with a completely different department. Um, that was <laughs> that was a rough year. I'm not going to lie, but again. Right. The, the 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 coping mechanisms that I've chosen for my own wellness, I've always I've always been into the fitness side and and good nutrition and delved into good mental mental practice and and spiritual beliefs. Those set me up for success, and that was the thing is that I I was very fortunate in the fact that I was able to recognize as soon as things started kind of heading the wrong way, um, that I was going to put the brakes on before they got to a point where where I lost control. Right. Okay, if you can for us, uh, if you can give us the the, def- the difference between PTS and PTSD, so we can yeah. educate a little bit here before we dive into it. Yeah, so I would I would put the difference between PTS is um, use an analogy it would be like weight training. Okay, so when 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 you're doing any sort of training, you're breaking down the muscles, and then when you go to sleep, the muscles rebuild, and then the next day, technically, you're you know a percent stronger or whatever the the number would be, and then right. to me, the 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 D side, the disorder, becomes when you you keep breaking down those muscles and you're not able to recover. And then that analogy is actually pretty good because the sleep is a huge thing, and, and we don't get to sleep very much, and it does create a breakdown both physically and mentally in in any shift worker. Um, so when that when when that control is lost, when the body's not able to recover from what we're seeing and all the other elements as well. That's when it becomes a disorder. So whether it's uh, you know you you freaking rip your ACL or whether it's you know a breakdown mentally, it's the same thing physiologically where 
that load has become so much and you haven't had that recovery and downtime to offset it mentally. Well, yeah, that's, you know, I, 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 I didn't know that I had any problems, right? I, when I first started to feel the side effects of the PTSD or the PTS, I didn't know what was happening to me. And I hear this a lot from other firefighters that have dealt with it. It's, you know, we're in this position where we we respond to incidents and we we are are the you know, we are in a position that we are just looked at to like, okay, look, this is your job, this is a side effect of your job, just deal with it. You know? And for me, I was so afraid to ask for help because I was so concerned of what it was gonna do to my reputation that I I was just going to try to get through it. So when I started having, for me, it, it kind of started with like recurring dreams. And like you said, like we don't get this, you know, I, like you, like I was at a real busy firehouse um, after probation. So at work, I'm not getting a lot of sleep because it's just busy. And then I was going home and I wasn't sleeping. And I didn't know what was going on. You know, I was normally that guy that was really happy, got along with everyone. I started to see my mental health, like, I was starting to to be sad, you know, for for really no reason. And then, then I was starting to have these recurring nightmares, and I didn't know what was going on, you know. And I would always, I'd always consider myself pretty healthy of a guy. I mean, I would definitely, I would have my ups and downs with my health and how much I was working out and how much I was running. And, but for me, it was real easy for when I got depressed that I just wouldn't, I wouldn't participate in any kind of real, you know, physical um, health. Like I was not taking care of myself and I had this excuse of, well, I'm not sleeping great. I don't really know what's going on with me, you know, with like my mental health side. So instead of like turning to like, like from what I'm hearing from you, like instead of turning to like physical fitness as a, as a means for me to kind of work through this, I just kind of crawled into bed and would hide there. And I don't know, did you ever experience, um, when you said you were dealing with depression, did you ever, you know, experience the part where you didn't want to get up? Or you didn't want to go running or go work out because you were in a funk. Did you ever have any of that? Um, I definitely had. A, I mean, I like I said, divorce will do it to you when you're a full-time fireman, and yes, you know, absolutely. now you're suddenly a single dad, and you know, you and it wasn't a a pleasant divorce. Let's just put it that way. Um, uh, yeah, there was times where I literally, you know, put on a specific song just to make myself cry, so I get that stuff out of my system right. and then move on right but i i'll give you kind of an interesting complete opposite side of the spectrum what i would do is i would work out really really hard and redline my workouts and, and then you know think of it as the you know flushing out the system as it were what i learned right. and, and they've been on such an amazing journey with this physical and mental health um the last couple of years is for everyone that, that uses that kind of way of coping when we come off shift and, and we're in that high alarm state. And I don't care if you actually got to sleep that night. We all know that sleep in the fire station is not real sleep. You never get into REM sleep. It, it's horrible because you're waiting to have the hell scared out of you. Um, right. But then but then you come off shift, especially if it was a rough, rough night. 
your your uh, a adrenal fatigue, your your alarm state is always already at a certain point. Now, if you go and do a heavy, stressful workout, you just add to that alarm state. So, exercise is a great way of of um, deregulating the nervous system, bringing those stress hormones down, and um, turning on that parasympathetic nervous system, which you need to relax. Um, but it has you have to understand the difference between a, a full on red line workout and then more of like a movement practice. So for example, you know, you go to the gym and you just you you row, you do some stretching, you know, you you, you ride your bike, whatever it is, but you're not going for that, you know, max heart rate type stuff. Um and when I understood that, that made a big difference too. But that was only uh, probably the last year year or so that I I was kind of educated on that side. Um, so even the way I was dealing with the stress, sometimes it wouldn't feel better. And now I understand why, because I was going in and kicking my own ass right. in the gym, and then, you know, lying in a pool of sweat right. was just elevating everything. So, so there's, there's so many factors and the, the simple side is obviously sleep is a huge thing. And, and that's something that right. I'm really kind of on, on a, a track about at the moment. If you don't sleep, your mind can't heal, your body can't heal. It's as simple as that. Your body breaks down, your mind breaks down, but um, there are other ways of working around it until we change the way that we do, you know, our work week in the fire service, which is a whole other discussion. And right. I'm not talking about changing up the shift pattern. I'm talking about reducing the number of hours that firefighters work. Um, but until then, you know, the, the, the deregulation of the nervous system is one of the keys to mental health and physical health from what we do. Wow. Um, I mean, if, so maybe if I'm kind of understanding a little bit, so you're saying – so there's also that physical side of that we have to give ourselves recovery um, on the physical side, but it also sounds like we have to give ourselves a, a recovery from the mental health side of it too. And if we're not getting good sleep and then we're going to the gym and really kicking our, our butt and, like you said, redlining it, we're never getting that good physical recovery, which also is going to affect our mental health recovery. Yeah, I mean you get a good physical recovery if you do a more gentle one. But yeah, if, if if you're imagining your adrenal glands are already firing like crazy, you've been up up for 24 hours or at least not in REM sleep for 24 hours. You get off shift, you go hit it hard. You're adding to that. Whereas if you do a more gentle version of of movement practice, whether it's you know rowing, cycling, um, you know a lower uh, intensity, now you're able to kind of bring shift that gear down. And obviously you add some. A mental practice or you know, a meditation prayer, whatever whatever it is that you choose to do, right. that will add to that deregulation as well. But people, yeah, right. people that are kind of listening and going, well, you know, show me something that proves that. When I when I delved into sleep, one of the big big hormones that doesn't uh, doesn't replenish, I guess, if, if you don't sleep, is testosterone. And if you if you ask around firehouses right. in the U.S. these days. Or if you ask anyone, hey, how many of you guys have been to see a doctor and you, when they came back, they said your testosterone uh, numbers were low, you're going to see any, any honest firefighter is going to put their hands up. But it's not because they're any less of a man or woman. It's, it's relatively women as well. Right. It's because the shift right, work right, right. categorically breaks that down. And when that breaks that down and all those hormones are rock bottom, that's when you also get that lack of drive and that lack of will to exercise and to eat well. Right. Wow. Well, uh, James, if you don't mind, can you kind of tell us, so how did it all kind of manifest itself to you? How did you, where, so kind of tell us maybe a little bit 
of what was happening and then how you started to realize, I, I think there's something here that I'm not taking care of. Like, talk to us a little bit about how your PTS symptoms kind of really started showing up and how that really affected you, you know, personally and your personal relationships and also how did that affect your, your, how you're performing at work? Yeah. Um, I would say the first, when I look back, there was a couple of, of calls where I was, you know, like, wow. And it didn't stop me doing my job at all. We functioned just fine in the call. But after the fact, we were like, that really sucked. There was one where we had a, a basically a pediatric decapitation. The kid was only about a year older than my little boy at the time. Um, that was pretty rough. Oh, um, and yeah. then, uh, then I remember we had a, like 18, no, what was he? 16, 17 year old kid that was driving, basically lost control coming on the freeway, ended up sideways right in the HOV lane and got T-boned. He was killed instantly. His little brother was in the back. Um, and, uh, they had to extricate him. Um, and then I remember, Every time I'd see that same mate car, I'd get little, and it wasn't like a crazy like Hollywood flashback, but I'd just for a moment be like, oh god, that was that that reminded me of that call. Um, so that, right. that I was getting those a bit, but it wasn't really, you know, like haunting me or anything. I mean, I, I it was more like a lot of guys report. I was just exhausted all the time, you know, and, and stressed out and angry. Um, but then I, I look back now and I attribute that more to the sleep. I really do than anything else because at the time. Um, they were short-staffed, and we were working, you know, like 48 on, 24 off for six months until they hired the next class behind us. Um, yeah. But uh, fast forward a few years, what really made me aware of it was actually seeing what was happening in the fire service around me. It wasn't like I was spiraling down, you know, and experiencing all these these symptoms, but I was looking at what you know I envisioned from the outside as these super strong alpha males and, and I tell you now I get I get texts all the time from you know from brother and sister firefighters and it's always the the big muscular fireman covered in tattoos the one you think that is you know unshakable those are the ones that that are hurting the most inside because they 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 have that you know they've grown up their whole life being that that tough guy and and it's it's almost harder for them to to show their feelings. So very long story short, around in our area here, uh, about two years ago or so, we suffered like multiple firefighter suicides in, in, in departments around central Florida. I mean, one after the other, after the other. And, uh, I started looking at that and then, you know, kind of as when you open your eyes, you know, when, when you truly look and, and, and take your head, you know, your eyes off the ground, you start seeing, oh my goodness, yeah, there's, there's so much more here than we've realized. Um, and so then when I delved in more and started looking into mental health and realized, you know, that, that as, as we've talked about before, you know, the addiction and the depression and, you know, all these things that, I mean, suicide is just one little bit. There's, there's a much bigger slice of the pie that, that people that haven't completed suicide that have certainly talked about it, thought about it. Um, so then, so that was my big thing. It wasn't so much it was happening to me specifically, but it was happening to people all around me. And then, you know, in, out in 
in California, you had that one poor guy, you know, jump off the bridge not too long ago. We had the Dallas firefighter leap out. I think it's Dallas. Um, she leapt out of the car on the freeway. So it wasn't even. It was just these these completions of suicide that didn't even have any um, a piece to them. Yeah, you know, there, there was. It was in such a horrible way that they were even doing it. So. Um, then that made me then well, held a mirror up made me look at myself and that's when I started examining myself as well. So it, it, it's a little different than a lot of people whether that you know I, I I was addicted to this or you know I find myself standing on the edge of the bridge. It was more I was a spectator seeing all my peers you know crumbling around me and then that made me look at myself and go ah okay we all have it that's the answer there is no one who escapes this thing. Yeah. Well, I can tell you this, that like you, I mean, there was definitely an addiction side to mine. Um, but, you know, the place that I work, we've had eight suicides in the last 10 years. And look, nothing's came out and nothing has come out and said, oh, this firefighter had an addiction problem and this firefighter was dealing with PTSD. But it's an overall increase in or decrease in firefighter mental health that something has to be said. The awareness has to increase. And I know for where I work, it's not one person's fault, but it's just the culture, just like with any fire service, I think, yeah. that we are, we are too tough to have the – we are too tough to be depressed. We're too tough to be having nightmares, you know, and – that whole, that stigmatism has to change, you know, and, you know, honestly, you have a huge, you are playing, you played a huge role in why I started doing what I have done. I mean, seeing, you know, the Dark Side Project and seeing the strength of these firefighters talking about what they have been through and me being able to see that and go, I'm not alone here. You know, it's been remarkable and that's the part that i'm hoping to change probably just like you is i just want the conversation to be started around the table in the kitchen at the firehouse so that people if they need help can ask for it and that they're not afraid what it's going to do to their reputation or that they're not afraid of anybody looking down on them and yeah it's just no you're right the the I mean, the statistic of, I think it was 2015, there was 103 firefighter line of duty deaths and 216 firefighter suicides. Yeah, well, that's, I'm going to add something insane. to that, too. So, so here's the really sad part. If you're a policeman, if you're a firefighter, if you're a medic, the day you, the day you walk out the station and, and, you know, you've retired, statistically, when they do, you know, stats and surveys and things, you're not a firefighter anymore. And we all know that it's you know, a lot of times it's those guys that have completed their career and then leave that, that tribe, that group that they were a part of, and take that badge off their chest that they were so proud of for so many years. A lot of times that's when we see the cancer, the heart disease, you know, the heart attacks, the, the, the suicides, um, and they're not even part of that number. So imagine which part of the iceberg is the 200 or so and how much more is there that's not recorded, either through shame or from the fact that they just didn't consider that person, that retiree, a firefighter or a policeman anymore? No, you're right. And I'm just really, really glad to see that things are slowly starting to change and firefighters are 
starting to feel strong enough that they can have these conversations. I mean, that is all, that's all that matters to me is that a conversation is brought up and people can start getting help. So, yeah. And I want to throw one more thing in before I forget, because I think this is very important too. You think about the world war two generation, those, those men and women were out there in, in a true war where they were fighting, you know, horrendous evil in the point where, like, where I grew up in England, I could have been speaking German if we if we lost that war. And there was, you know, genocide. Obviously, there's genocide still going on in the world today, and it's awful. But it was a legitimate, you know, fight for survival. And right. we all know, because our grandparents were that generation, they don't go around beating their chest and high-fiving each other and be like, yeah, I was in World War Two. So somewhere between that incredible generation of men and women, the set late 70s, 80s on became this BS Hollywood version of what a man is, this macho, I don't ever cry. And so we've got this ridiculous facade of, of the tough guy. And that, I think, is what kind of permeated into the fire service. Oh, it's weak to talk and everything. Well, the men and women, you read the biographies of World War II, they talk of the horrors of war. They don't hide it. They don't pretend everything was fine. You know, right. you, you watch Band of Brothers, so we have some of those shows that truly show how awful it was. There's no, <laughs> there's no, I came yeah. here to chew bubble gum and kick ass BS. Right, it's, right, right. It's right. reality. So that's another thing, too. We have to reprogram ourselves, not only as a fire service, but as, as men and women, about what is tough, what is weak. To me, a tough, man or woman is someone that can can stand up and say how they feel and be an advocate for for the men and women you know in that profession as well that's tough shaming someone into not talking and then they go and kill themselves that's a huge act of cowardice in my mind i agree with you 100 percent. so with that said how do you think we start to change the culture in the fire service how do you think we we cross that bridge and when we get to the other side where we firefighters are willing to sit at that coffee table in the morning and have a discussion about mental health. How do you uh, see that happening? I see it with, with projects that I see sprouting up all over the, the, uh, you know, the country, hopefully the globe, whether it's Paul Combs and his cartoons, whether it's, you know, Rick George and his talks, Dustin Hawkins, Red Line Rescue. There's just these these incredible people, Dana Ali. These 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 men and these women are getting out there, and they're standing on you know stepping on the box and saying, whatever you guys think, yeah. You know, here's here's what I went through. Here's how I was hurt, and here's my story. And some of these people are so courageous in the stories that they tell, but it's that old uh, you know saying a, a, a waterfall begins with with a single uh, drop of water. You know, and that's what you needed, a single right. step. Every journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. It's the same thing. The the brave have to take those first few steps. And then the rest of the, the, the sheep, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but a lot of us people tend to be led in a certain direction. You know, so one minute you're following the, the 1980s Chuck Norris tough guy mentality until people start right. walking the other way and then you identify with them and you're like, you know what, you're absolutely right, I can't freaking sleep either and I've been hitting the bottle every night I come off shift. Um, so that, I mean, that's really it. The more people that stand up and tell their story and, um, you know, talk around the firehouse, the better we get. But then the, the other thing, and like I said, I keep harping on this, 
is that we have to look at our profession. You know, at one point, someone said enough is enough, and we started wearing STBAs because we saw our, our forefathers dying of all these lung diseases. Um, and it's the same thing now. You know, in my opinion, if a guy, you know, doing the plumbing in your house, the, the, the young lady swiping your groceries at the grocery store at the checkout, if 40 hours is enough for those people, why are we working, you know, 48, 52, 58 hour work week when we need to be as, you know, more well rested than the average person? Because at 3 a.m., you're running on my, my 10 year old trying to do pediatric drug calculations. I want you to be the, the most well rested, highly trained human being on the planet. You know, so there's yeah, that other side absolutely. too. But ownership and the talking in the fire station, and it's also taking a step back and looking at our entire profession and saying, what are we doing really well? And, and what can we, we change? And I think that's another thing. I think that we fix mental health by letting these men and women have longer to recover after their shifts because, you know, one on two off or whatever shift pattern you've got is clearly not working because we're getting safer and safer. We're wearing better PPE. We're understanding decontamination and we're still dying a hundred a year like we have for the last few decades. Right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, look, I, I don't, I, I don't, place any blame on for what I've been through on anybody other than myself okay but I was that guy that you know we where I work we work a 56 hour work week with that said though I would work 448 hours in a pay period you know in a um in a, a monthly floss cycle or our overtime cycle now part of that was because I personally didn't know I didn't understand what I was going through mentally. I had become a disaster at home and was destroying my marriage. But for me, a way for me to get away from that was I'd just go to work. That was my attitude. I'll just go to work. That way I'm not at home terrorizing my family. And a benefit from that is I'll get some more money every month, right? But I didn't realize this part of that I was just completely sleep deprived and I'm trying to I'm trying to fix myself by myself. I, I can't explain why I'm having all these problems, but the part I added myself was I added the part where I would go to work for 120 hours straight or, you know, and take a day off and then go back to work for another 120 hours. Like I was doing that. I did that for years and now I can look back on that and go, how did you ever expect to get better when you're working those kind of hours? But I didn't yeah. know what the problem was. You know, like I didn't really, you know, my doc, the a doctor I was seeing was like, you need to be taking depression medicine. But I was so, I was like, I'm too, I am too strong mentally to be taking depression medicine, you know, and you need to be taking medicine for nightmares. And I was like, but I was, I was so concerned about what other people were going to think about me that I didn't do anything that I should have been doing to try to take care of my mental health, let alone my addiction problem, you know? So, no, you're right. And I think finally we're having that conversation that it has to start with some ownership. I think that, you know, the, each firefighter has to say, Hey, I'm not forced to work all this overtime every month, you know, but I, I like, it has to start with, with, with us. 
and that we can have the conversation about that I'm having issues with this, you know, I'm having nightmares or I'm sad all the time, but take it upon yourself to not work so many hours. I mean, yes, the money's great, but it has to start it has to start with you, you know. Yeah. But and every, everything I preach about is is always a, a two-sided coin. I'm never going to attack who we work for. I'm never going to attack the firefighter. For example, you know, if you, you you're Rick, you're working 100 hours uh, um you know, in a row, and I'm like, oh, why is Rick, you know, putting on weight? You know, what's wrong with yeah. him? Well, right. you know, here's the other side of the coin. You know, Rick needs to have ownership, but if we're so short-staffed that they're needing, because I'm seeing a lot in the fire departments around me, and I used to be part of, you know, a couple that have this, is the mandatory. It's not even you're choosing to. You're told at, you right. know, 7, 7 a.m., oh, sorry about your kid's birthday party, but you have to stay here. And then that, I'm sorry, falls on the employer then. Because if you can't staff right. your fire department the way it's supposed to be, and you know what, if it's budget, then you need to sell what we do to the general public there. That's your job. Okay, and stop telling these ladies right. politicians trying to act like every year is going to be a tax cut. That's not the way life works. That's not the way inflation works. And the priorities <clears throat> are you're not going to care if you know the parks have an extra swing set while your your loved ones bleeding to death, you know you got to get your police, right. fire teachers, and those ones squared away first before you start expanding out from there. And there's you know, nothing against parks department or anything, but you know we're, no, we're, I, we're used as, as a as a bargaining chip with these political campaigns who are you know their arms around us when they're trying to get voted, and then as soon as they get in, they're nowhere to be found. And that's yeah. a disservice to the people we we serve because, as I said. If the station close to my family has been browned out because of staffing, or the medic that shows up hasn't slept for three days, as as a taxpayer, is that is that to my benefit? No, you've you've totally dropped the ball as you know the the, the representative. You know, so it's not even right. like oh, crying like like a like a a victim employee. This is a, a safety issue. Not only should right. you not be behind the wheel after 24 hours of no sleep, you're not fit to. To, to run on my kid or search my house in a fire if you're sleep deprived, you know. So that's the other issue. It's we have to take a step back and look at the the entire way we do things. And if a pilot can't fly a plane without a certain amount of sleep, if a truck driver can't get behind the wheel of a truck, then why and you know, why are these firefighters the you know, the the ones that everything falls on when they screw up the staffing or the hiring process? And it's not the person behind the desk that doesn't see their family that night. It's you and me and the other men and women in the fire service that have to pay the price from from these management errors. Right. No, you're absolutely right. There needs to be a shift, you know, from the top down on how we do business. You know, it really does. Wow, James. James, give us, you know, th this has been, this conversation is great. And I know a lot of people will get a lot from this and that we could go on and on and on. But tell us what you're, what, what's next on the horizon for you and for um, your Dark Side Project and your podcast, please. Okay. So, well, the Dark Side Project is, uh, I believe, what they refer to as like a standalone project. So, the, the Facebook page is there. It's interactive. People talk with each other. Um, it was started by people posting videos, and you know, I still love it when people do, but the the kind of intro video would say, all right, you, you basically look at the camera. I used to say PTSD, now I say PTS because it's a little more you know, encompassing. We all have that. Um, and then 
you know, you, you say what are your positive coping mechanisms that you chose, and then you talk about some of the the poor po- uh, coping mechanisms that you've chosen. So we learn from, you know, what works, what doesn't kind of thing. Some people, as as you've seen there, are we're in a very dark place, and I can report that, you know, several of those guys now are doing incredibly well. So you know, not through my thing alone, but they... But, but by using that and, and accepting what was going on, they they found their own journey and and uh, you know are, are doing much much better now. Some some are still struggling as well, um, but so that's that. And then there's a lot of interaction, and I try and put the podcasts that are relevant um, to the mental health side. I, I kind of advertise on there as well, and any any good mental health article, any other. Um, kind of foundations that I think will help. So that's kind of, it's kind of like a reference tool there and a way for people to talk right. to each other about that. But to me, the real fix is the podcast. So Behind the Shield is is um, uh, trying to get the greatest minds in physical and mental wellness to every ear hole of every first responder on the planet. And then that, that, that has a butterfly effect. You don't have to be a first responder to learn from this. You can be a, a soldier. You can be an ER doc. You can be you know, a house cleaner, it doesn't matter. Most of these people, it, it's relating to the human being. But, um, you know, the, the, to me, the answers to the questions are all in these incredible guests that I've had on so far. So, um, we have the, whether it's sleep deprivation, the mental health, meditation, exercise, powerlifting, MMA, you know, special forces, there's, there's just such an, an eclectic mix of, of minds that I want it to be an immersive project. And you might look down the list on iTunes or whatever uh, app you use and look at just one name. All right, Rob Jones, that's that amazing you know, Marine that, that lost his legs and now does these marathons to raise money for veterans. So that's going to be the one I listen to. And you listen to, to his one, and then it will start you down that rabbit hole. But that, uh, right. that, that to me is the kind of ongoing thing. The Dark Side Project has been up and running now for close to two years. And... You know, it's, it's still there. I was at, sadly at a, uh, a funeral the other day, a firefighter funeral, um, and one of the gentlemen that was attending came over to me and said, "Yeah, that he he'd seen the Dark Side Project and really, like you were saying, kind of opened his eyes that that he wasn't alone." So that's doing great right. things. But to my to to me, that's the understanding that you're not alone, realizing that this is something that we all have. But then the question is, well, what now? And I think the what now is then the the podcast and the the more we go on, the more, uh, you know, more of a, a spectrum of guests I try and have so that everyone can, can delve in there and find something. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, your your podcast has been an inspiration for me and for what I'm doing here. And, <clears throat> look, I owe you a, 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 huge debt of, a huge debt of gratitude because, like I said, your Dark Side Project really opened my eyes to 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 seeing other firefighters who are absolutely dealing with the exact same thing that I am and there's a huge part of that to just the, just the ability for me to sit back and go me too you know and I'm not alone and that there is help and that there are resources available to help us right to save the to rescue the rescuer, like it's just amazing. So, um, James, give me uh, give me some of your um, like your Twitter handle, and if you're on Instagram or if you're on any of that stuff, and I'll make sure uh, that way everyone can hear it. 
Okay, you, yeah. Uh, I am absolute white belt first day, and I tripped over the doorstep and smashed my nose on Twitter. I'm so bad. <laughs> um, but I think it's uh, behind the behind TS911. Um, okay, one, one more time. Give, give that to me one more time. I think it's at behind TS. There would be the shield. Behind TS911. Uh-huh. I think that's the uh, Twitter okay. and the Instagram. Um, and then just behind the shield on uh, Facebook, so that's an easy one. But if you want to find the podcast, the easiest way is to, if you have iPhone, it's on iTunes. Just search it. There'll be two called uh, Behind the Shield. One is like a um, fantasy gaming one that was actually around before I came around. But then the other one. <laughs> All right, that's, that's definitely not you. No, definitely uh, not, James. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the other one has an axe and Halligan crossed on the other one. That's that's my one. And then if you're on Android, then and most of the podcast apps, certainly um, Pocket Cast, um, Stitcher, and it's uh, SoundCloud is where I host. So any of those you can access it too. So. Wow. Well, James, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, it was a very enlightening podcast, and I appreciate everything you're doing and the lives you're saving. Um, it's just the numbers are going to be incredible. So keep doing what you're doing. God bless you. And everyone, thanks for listening to uh, Rick Radio. Again, please consider liking, sharing. Please comment. Pass it on. Let everyone know about what we're doing here. And until next time, God bless.